Welcome to the Market Access Matters podcast. This is a podcast for people in market access by people in market access. I'm Louise Bennett, Head of Marketing at Access Infinity, and I'm your host for this series. In our first ever podcast series, we are shining a spotlight on women leaders in market access, looking at their professional and personal journeys, what's attracted them to the industry, and what's next to help us all discover more about the people within this ever-changing community. Today, I'm speaking with Isabel Rubio, who is a colleague at Access Infinity, having joined us as an Associate Director in October last year. Before recording, I knew that Isabel has lived and worked in many different countries, so I was intrigued to hear more about her journey into market access, her experiences and her views on the industry, as well as what keeps her engaged and excited. This discussion didn't disappoint, so here's the episode. Welcome to the podcast, Isabel. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, me too. I think a great place to start would be for you to give an introduction to yourself. Sure. So as you said, I'm an Associate Director at Access Infinity. I joined in October. And before that, I had been working for seven years at Simon Kutcher & Partners. That was my first introduction to the world of market access before joining Simon Kutcher & Partners. I studied business. I did a master's in international business. And I'd never thought about market access as a place where I might end up. I didn't even know what it was, to be honest. It was just a completely unexplored area to me. Funnily enough, I'd done some internships in consulting before, and I just hadn't enjoyed the experience. So my resolution when I came out of university was that I did not want to work in consulting. And then funnily enough, opportunity came up where I was just looking for sort of a short-term job between my master's degree and my next job that was, I think it was like a six month gap between those two. And a friend and a colleague of mine mentioned that they were looking for someone. And I went into the interview just not knowing too much what I was getting into. And the experience just, I think, completely changed, first of all, my perception of consulting, because it's just such an interesting industry. And it's honestly a fascinating job that we do. And I loved the area. I've always loved sciences. I wanted to study biology in university. So this was a perfect mix for me. And then since then, it's been now over seven years that I've been doing this. And I just, I really enjoy it. Wow, that's fascinating. Starting life in business, how did it happen that you ended up being in pharmaceutical industry and specifically market access? So it was chance. Back at Simon Culture, they went into the life sciences division, so pharmaceutical division. Because of luck, it was the, the position I interviewed for, and it was a good fit. Once they told me about it, I, it seemed really interesting, honestly. And then the more I learned about it, the more I liked it, the more I saw how much value there is in doing what we do, how challenging it is, how it, there's always something new. There's always things that are changing, so it's always it's an area where you can always grow. Yeah, that's great. And I think it's really good to hear as well that it's changed your experience and perception of what it's like to work in consultancy. Yeah. So <laughs> how would you say it is different? So I think one one of the things that I didn't like about consulting back in the day when I first started was that it just seemed very intangible to me. So I was working in telecommunications and I think financial services. And first of all, I didn't really understand the services. I think they're more difficult to understand the services that you're working with. Whereas market access, you understand the concept of a drug, you understand the concept of chemotherapy. You may not know exactly how it works, but you know 
what it does and you see it out there. So for me, that was the first thing. And then the second thing is that I, I really liked and I really enjoyed and I still really value the positive implications of the work we do. So I feel like sometimes we think about the pharmaceutical industry as wanting to price drugs as high as possible and make all this revenue of it. And over the last years, there's been this negative perception of some of these aspects. But when you actually think about the work that we do, it's essentially what we're trying to do is make sure that the value of something that in the end could cure lives is recognized while at the same time making sure that healthcare systems remain sustainable. So it's just knowing that we're, first of all, doing something that ensures the longevity of a system that's in place in most markets. And then second, knowing, just being able to see and being able to understand the product that you're working for. I think those two things are just something that keeps you motivated to work. I remember when my first project that I did as basically an intern And when that product came out, I think it was two or three years ago, I read like the pharma news and it was there. It's just, it's a really rewarding feeling. And the fact that it's so tangible and that you see it in the news, it's just, I think it's something that keeps you motivated to keep wanting to do a good work in this area. Yeah, absolutely. I think what you're saying there is really powerful in terms of it's a more relatable industry. It's something that we can all relate to, but also the end impact Exactly. Knowing that you're involved in something that has the impact it does as opposed to other industries. I think that's really well articulated. So thank you for that. What would you say your biggest achievements or best highlights so far have been? So for me, I was really comfortable in market access. I was working out of Madrid. I was specializing in the usual UK markets. I was in a very comfortable space in terms of what I knew and what I was doing. And at that point, I decided that I wanted to just completely change that. And three years ago, I moved to Tokyo to start learning about the Japanese healthcare system. And at the moment, it didn't seem that like that much of a significant change because I was still working for Europe. It was just one more area of expertise that I was gaining. But now looking back on it, for me, it was a huge achievement just because I wasn't just tackling the learning of a new market. But it was also at a point where I was starting to be more and more responsible for managing projects. So it was two areas of growth that happened simultaneously for me, where I was learning how to manage people and learning how to manage clients. And at the same time, it was in an area where I had no feeling of like solid footing because it was all very new to me. Now, looking back, I think that made me grow enormously in terms of managing, in terms of knowledge, honestly. and looking back on it, I feel like it's a huge achievement on my side because I went, I jumped into the unknown and came out the other side. And looking back, it's always, I think, really rewarding when you see how much you've grown and how much you've changed because of that risk that I took. So I'd say for me, that's my best achievement. And in a completely different culture as well. What and was a completely it like? different culture. <laughs> yeah. What was yeah. it like to be spending some time living and working in Tokyo? No, it was amazing. It's an amazing city. It's an amazing country. It's from a personal perspective. It was, I love to travel. I've lived abroad pretty much my whole life. So for me, it was huge change for the positive. I love that experience and I loved traveling around it, meeting people, just expanding what from a cultural, personal perspective. 
And then on a professional point of view, from a professional point of view, it was also a huge opportunity because I got to work. First of all, I got to work with a, with a really talented director who taught me a lot. And it was very challenging just because, as I said, everything was new, but she was really patient for me. So it also really a good sort of guiding light for me also of who I wanted to be or how I wanted to be as a manager. And then learning about the Japanese healthcare market, which is something that I think not a lot of people know. Unless you're in the market, you don't know as many details as you need to know to really understand what you need to launch a drug in Japan. So it was amazing. I couldn't recommend it enough. Sounds fantastic. What would you say are the biggest challenges that market access professionals face? So I think that's a really good question. And I, for me, as I see it, and this is something that, especially now, I think we're at a tipping point where on one hand, we are dealing with an industry that is really fast changing. So you have all these innovations in science, you have these innovations in medicine, we're seeing it now with like gene therapies. So it's a very fast changing and fast evolving landscape. And on the other hand, you have to launch those products in a system that is struggling to keep up with all the innovations that are coming. I always see the healthcare systems as having flat periods where there's not a lot of change in how prices are set up or how negotiations happen, how value is recognized. And then there is a sort of an external force or a type of drug launching that just really makes it have to take a leap in terms of how these things are done. But the clash between those two, it takes a while for the system to really regulate and and catch up with the innovations that are happening from a scientific point of view. Seeing that in with gene therapy, with the sort of one-time treatments that are coming in now where payers are just really struggling to understand or to figure out how they're going to price and pay for products that are very expensive. They don't have the, in the infrastructure to be able to front these payments and these very high prices. And I think that's the biggest challenge that the system has to keep up, but we needed to keep up in order to launch even more innovative therapies in the future. Yeah, totally. And actually, we were just talking about what the future could look like. Looking back on your career so far, what have been the most significant changes that you've seen? So I think there's two big changes that I've seen. The first one is regarding the mentality of payers around paying for value. And it's related again to this. I worked on one of the CAR-T therapies when I was back in Spain on the pricing strategy for the product. And it was such a different approach versus what we've done previously. There was no question on the value of the product. And I think the clients had little uncertainty about how much their product was worth. It was more about, okay, so we know this, we know how much it's worth. Now, how are we going to ensure that payers can pay for it? And it was, a, it was an interesting project because it was all around contracting and how can we make it, how can the manufacturer make it so that the payer can actually pay for this? Yeah. So what type of contracting agreements are more interesting? How do you implement those? Because if you're implementing, sometimes we just call out like, oh, payment by results. Yeah, that could be a solution without thinking of all the issues that are just inherently attached to that type of agreement. For example, how do you measure who responds to treatment? How many installments do we make it? When do we measure? When should we measure whether the patient has responded or not? It was a project that was very detailed in terms of those issues that could come up with this type of contracting agreements. And for me, that was honestly the biggest change because until then it had been all, okay, this is the price. 
how much of a discount do you want? And then what type of market access is the product going to get at this price? And this was just completely different and just really interesting. And from then, we've seen it a lot more frequently. Yeah, I suppose it does relate back to what you were saying earlier in the discussion, actually, around having to think outside the box in terms of finding more innovative payment models to make drugs more accessible. And that is something that's been happening across or other industries as well with subscription as a service and so on. So who knows where it could go? Exactly, exactly. No, it's really interesting, honestly. And it's just, it's it's a new era in terms of how we're thinking about drug pricing and market access. And it's fun to be in the midst of all of this when it's all changing now. Absolutely. So I'm interested to hear if you've had to overcome any barriers or obstacles as part of your career journey? So in terms of my personal growth in my career, to be honest, I've been extremely lucky in terms of the people that I've had the chance to work with. From the beginning, I was working with directors and managers who knew so much about what they did, who had such a a healthy mentality around work and work-life balance, who were really hard workers, but still they knew when to say, okay, enough is enough. And that has really shaped, I think, my way of working and the spirit that I try to impose on the people who are working with me. This is a job and it's a really interesting job, but in the end, we all have lives outside of it. We all have things we want to get to. And one of the things we're lucky with is that it's such an interesting industry that coming to work doesn't feel like a monumental task. Sometimes you come in and it's exciting to talk to a player. It's exciting to have a call with a client. But all this sort of work mentality was really imposed to me by the people that I worked with early on. And even at the beginning, I remember that I had, when I just when I started, I was working with four directors. Three of them were women. One was a man and they all, they all had reduced hours because they you know, they all had families and they'd all decided to maintain a good work-life balance. Seeing it across women and men and at no moment were they penalized for having their own personal lives, for wanting to reduce the hours that they spend at work to take care of their families. And that for me, I think was really eye-opening. I know it's not something that's specific just to the market access industry, but I've seen it a lot across, honestly, everyone that I've worked with in my career, both in consulting and also on the side of the client, where sometimes you have clients that are taking calls from picking up their kids from school. And just, I feel like it's an industry that has had, that has so much flexibility in the way that you work. And you see very powerful women and very powerful men who are not necessarily working 24 seven. And just knowing that you can still have your work-life balance and that's never going to be a drawback to how far you want to get for me that has been that has been great and now going back to (laughs) to the challenges I think the biggest challenge that I faced and this was especially as I was more junior but also in some instances after seven eight years working in this industry is that you work with people who know a lot and you work with people who have 20 years of experience in this industry so Obviously, it's always an opportunity to learn from people. That being said, working in this industry, you keep up with the news and with the latest updates for every single relevant market. And there's instances where you're more aware of the nuances of a particular topic that they're talking about. And that sometimes is not recognized or the value that you are adding to knowledge can sometimes be 
underestimated. There's always that risk that you're under. Sometimes it can be challenging to gain the trust of the people that you're working with and the people that you're working for, because they may just underestimate how much and the experience that you have in this area. And how have you overcome that? Honestly, I think the only thing that you can do is, first of all, I think you have to be humble about it. I think you always have to just take a step back and say, why are they questioning what I know? And go back, check, make sure that everything that you have is, is should already be done anyway, but just double check that everything that you've, all the information that you have is accurate, it's correct. See if there's like any point of misunderstanding. And that's always my first step, honestly. And then there are other points where I think it's always healthy to take a step back and say, okay, I'll circle back to you. I'll confirm this and then just send an email with explanation. Because sometimes I think it's easier for the other person to understand what you're saying. If you organize it written down with examples, I think that always helps. Okay. And what tips would you give to people considering a career path in market access like you? I guess it could also be pharmaceutical or even consulting. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to somebody? So I have two pieces of advice. The first I think would be applicable to, I guess, whatever you're doing in life, which is to just be a sponge, especially in market access and consulting, you get to work with such bright people and people who are so good at their jobs and every project you have the chance of learning or every project or every drug launch, you have the chance of learning something new. So for me, that's the first step, just all the information that you gather, be sure to just retain it somewhere because you're going to use it at some point further on in the future. It's, you can always, there's a lot of synergies between what among what we do. So there's always use for that information. And then the second one, and this was something that advice that a colleague of mine gave me when I started, which is to find the niche area where you're going to excel at and be sure that you're the best at that. And that could be, it could be a new market. It could be a type of, if you're consulting a type of project, it could be just, it could even be, for example, if you're really good with Excel, just quantitative skills, just make sure that you have that something that at which you're better at that than everyone else or that no one else knows how to do and you're the only person who yeah, knows how to do like it. Like a superpower. Like a superpower, just become indispensable because that will, it will open so many doors. And for me, I mean, it's a piece of advice that I think I've taken to heart and has really helped me throughout my career. So I think that would be my number one tip. What's your superpower then? I can't resist but ask. <laughs> I think for me, it's honestly, I think I gained so much knowledge about the nuances about Japan. For me, it's always a market that's close to my heart because of, I feel like I know it better even than I know the traditional European markets. So I guess that would be it. Any question that comes up, I know it's not just knowing the rules, it's knowing how payers think. And that's something that I gained with the last three years with the people that I worked with. And so... Yeah, I think that would be that would be it. Yeah, definitely. And my final question is around what's next for you? What are your goals and aspirations for the next step of your career? So I love the place that I'm in right now. And this was changing from a from such a large, well-known company as Simon Kutcher to I wanted to change to some place that, that was fast growing and where you're there's room to shape a little bit what we're doing. So I would like to keep working on this I think it's a such a fun experience it's a great opportunity you learn a lot you work with really great people what I bring has the opportunity to shape how the company grows I think that's a really rewarding thought 
But then not only that, also taking in what other people are bringing from their experience. Everyone has come from different places, different backgrounds. So just gathering everything that everyone knows, especially the digital side, that's something that's very new to me. And it's just such an exciting and interesting area. So just being able to learn from all of that, I think would be, will keep me occupied for the next few years. I definitely think it will. And it's, yeah, I agree with you. It's a really exciting place to be and it's great to have you on board. So thank you so much, Isabel. I think you've had an interesting career so far with so much travel and culture embedded within it. And it's been really great to speak to you. And I do personally find you very inspirational. So thank you. Thank you so much, Louise. Thank you for your time. It's been great to talk to you about this. This podcast has been brought to you by Access Infinity. We are a team of market access and pricing specialists with a purpose to help pharma companies tackle their challenges head on through a combination of technology and consultancy services. Our core solutions are Access Hub, Neuro and Evidence Library, which you can find out about at access-infinity.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time, have a great day and goodbye.